This is Yusai. Welcome to Let's Talk, a place for open conversations. Tony Garn is a German-born supermodel and superhuman. She's been walking runways for the likes of Calvin Klein, Dior, Stella McCartney, Victoria's Secret, Chanel, and posing for numerous magazine covers of Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, for over a decade. But she's really exemplifies a model citizen when it comes to giving back. After years as an ambassador of gender equality, working to lift girls out of poverty and give them opportunities for education. She began her own Tony Garn Foundation in Africa, investing in local organizations for development of girls and their communities. Tony, thank you for being with me today. Let's first by telling everyone where are you right now. You know, I think I'm one of the only people in the world that is, uh, lives in hotels and now is quarantining in a hotel. I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I got stuck here. It's an amazing hotel with a kitchen. So we got to be with the kitchen. I still get to do the whole being homey and cooking and everything. But um, they weren't allowed to kick us out, but the staff left. So we're quarantined in a hotel. It's like a house. So all the guests are still here and we're all together, but there's no cleaning or any service, nothing. Wow. Um, so it's quite a crazy situation. But yeah, we're quarantined in a hotel and it sounds way more luxurious than it is because, yeah, we're using the the cleaner basements with everyone together and washing together and these big factory washing machines and it's it's quite interesting but we we live in new york but um we got stuck here doing a job and then we thought it was going to be a few weeks thing i guess oh, was that la are you in la right now we're in la we got stuck in a hotel in la we live in new york but we got stuck here and Obviously, it's super lucky. The weather's incredible. We're close to the beach, and there's no more beautiful place to be. But um, I am a little bit jealous when people are like, oh, I get to clean up my whole house at least. I get to get rid of everything and clean the drawers. And I'm like, well, I get to know this hotel pretty well. <laughs> well, we're all adjusting, adopting any way we can yeah. to find our own new normal. Well, first of all, before we get into the deep of our conversation, I want to thank you for being with us. Just by being here today with an initiative where Let's Talk, we're donating 500 masks to first responders in your name. And I thank you so much for being here with us. It's so incredible that you're doing that. Just for everyone to know, Yitzai and I just got on the phone a little bit before to talk about all this. Um, but obviously, I've been following a lot of things that you've been doing. But my followers, I don't think, know everything you're doing with this mask initiative. I think it's really important that everyone knows because everyone's doing lives. But I think it's important that everything is connected to you know, a cause because during these times there's so many people in need. So explain to us a little bit, what are you donating and where are you getting them from and, and how, how else can we help? Well, absolutely, Tony. So let's talk first started as a need to connect with my peers. It was a need to connect with my hair and makeup glam team because everybody was desperate to figure out how are they going to get back to work. And a lot of my friends know that I'm pretty entrepreneurial. I have a lot of connection in different areas of the business, not just in the fashion business. I do food. I'm in the industry of import and export. So they reach out and say, can we just talk to you about how can we adjust ourselves into the new new normal that's coming. And my encouragement for everyone was get online and talk. And just to talk about brands they've worked with before, don't worry whether the brands are paying you or not, because we know in social media for years and years, we come on here because somebody's paying us to be here, because that's the business we're in. And I wanted to encourage them, just get online and share what they're passionate about. It doesn't matter you're getting paid or not. 
everything else will fall in place. So for two weeks, I interviewed lots of hair and makeup people. We talked about different photos she whipped on, and we revisited some of the most beautiful moments we had. What happened was during that time, I then realized that there's more purpose than just talk about the glory days. We have to use a platform to the positive. As I champion other people to do so, I need to learn and practice the walk, the talk. So we put an initiative in that for every guest that comes on the show, I personally donate 500 masks to the first responders. That equals about $175 to $200, depending on the shipping schedule and dates in Asia. Every day. Every day. Because in the beginning, what happens is that a lot of people didn't say yes right away to come on the show because, one, they don't know what we're going to talk about. Two, not everyone's happy to just share at that time. But I have to say, over the last 10 weeks I've been doing this, that the resounding support from the community of fashion community, from the food community, has been so overwhelming. And their donations have come in because they've been on the show with me. They'll match it or do more. And some of the hero angel donors are like Mila Jovovich, who donated $10,000 being on the show, bought 30,000 masks. 30,000 masks was then delivered to New York immediately. I pair up with MJ Day, who's Sports Illustrated Editor-in-Chief of um, Swimwear, Swimsuit. And her husband is a doctor. So she Mm -hmm. knew exactly which hospital needed the, the supplies, who was able to get those masks to the hands of people immediately without red tape. So every that's dollar would have been. So everything is going to different hospitals, or is that's it all right. Husband to different hospitals. So because when you're in the industry, and my sister's also in the medical industry, she works. Yeah. Uh, she's a PhD in uh, microbiology. So she works at a, uh, a facility now, a labs that are actually creating tests for COVID. So she gets listings of hospitals that desperately need of mask or any kind of PPE, personal protection yeah. equipment. So with that knowledge that we have, it was easy for me to reach out to 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 these hospitals and say, listen. We have X amount of masks coming in. Are you ready to receive them? So right. we wanted to make sure that we drop ship them. So it doesn't come to me ever. Some of them I don't I don't see them. In fact, all of them I don't see. They get drop shipped directly to the VA hospitals or they get drop shipped directly to 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 St. Joseph or whatever hospital is on that list that desperately needs help. So this has been an initiative for the last 10 weeks. Wow. And I'm so proud to be able to tell everyone that we raised over a hundred thousand masks. That's far. That's incredible. Wow. That's so good. And I love that this is all started during COVID, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely. Because obviously we're all at home. We all have more time. And that it's all connected to initiative. And just to get back to what you said at the beginning, people didn't want to come on. I was the same at the beginning. Of course, there's anxiety. You don't know what's going on. You want to stay home. You want to tune in with yourself. Am I scared of this? How clean do I have to be? Can I be social? Can I not be social? How much of my real, my normal life can continue? But also just, I I was really excited to not have to travel. I had so much on my list that I was excited to do. I like really got fully involved in cooking and just cleaning up my computer, my phone, everything that I wanted to clean up since I don't have my own home to clean up. Um, but I think everyone was just so busy the first month figuring out what is going on. And, and you said exactly right. Fear. We yeah. all went through that fear. And I personally had a few breakdowns during that beginning too. Because of course, when people ask, what are we going to do? We, I'm part of that we, I'm part of that chain of work. If I don't hire a model, model doesn't get work. If, I, if a magazine doesn't hire me to shoot, I don't get work. If I don't get work, yeah. hair and makeup people don't get work. It's a trickle down effect. So I had to find a way to, to find a common denominator that we all can connect together. And for me, and I've been in the industry doing television. I've been in front of camera for about 10 years now. And I thought 
let's make sure I start practicing what I've been telling everyone myself. Yeah. Get on the platform, use the platform in a positive way. And and I happen to not do TikTok and I, I, I would love to get into it. <laughs> and a lot of people Great. choose that way to bring happiness to people. And I love it. I follow them and it brings me joy. So I wanted to make sure that I use the platform for the positivity of being able to donate at the same time, bring awareness to other people who are involved in donation already. Why so, are you on TikTok? I think everyone's asking themselves that right now. I mean, they are, and, and the funny thing is, I have a dance background, so you think it would be easy for me to get on there. But I gotta pick my battle. One, we have to do TikTok together. Oh on my the, god, this that would be great. But the next one, we just gotta do. I don't know. I don't do it either. I have an account, but I'm barely on it. <laughs> <laughs> we should and because you know and, and one thing I have realized that everybody find ways to help uh, whether through their own comedy in their life and I love mostly is watching parents involved with TikTok with their kids and and with through all the different hardship that we have gone through as human beings some silver lining always happens and I see it now more than ever that community get together and call itself a common community because in a fashion as you know it's a very lonely life you travel from place to places. You're on yeah, your own, an airplane. I come on set and you know someone it makes you feel like you just got home. Yeah. It's so to walk in and know that her makeup artist or even just a manicurist because you get to chat to her for two hours and she remembers the last time you saw her. And like for me, that was always like, yeah, coming home on set. If you know someone on set, it's like coming home rather than yeah. your apartment when there's no one there and all you're doing is repacking to leave again. Um, so yeah, I think we all miss each other, but I think the most important thing, you nailed it on the head, it's just communication right now for everyone to understand how's the other person feeling, how are you feeling, what, how, how are you, you know, how are you doing just getting through this, however way it is, just to get through this and focus on yourself, and if you have the ability to focus on others too and really help, uh, obviously that's even better, but I understand how some people just have to deal with themselves too, you know, because it's oh. a lot. It was a lot. And, and I, I appreciate parents out there. I have my godson for a week and being a teacher to him. He's, you know, he's six years old and I, he's in kindergarten. He has karate class. Why do do Zoom karate class together? And, and all those things make me appreciate what parents do. And that's both mom and dad, uncles and all the people who jump in to become parents, become teachers are incredible. And, and I can't even imagine. I mean, oh, I can't. But for me to be on the show here. And we talked about this, that my biggest takeaway is that I'm learning so much that mm -hmm. what kindness means to everyone in a very different ways. And for me, learning to adjust, I mean, I've been in this industry for 15 years. If you count practicing days, perhaps even more, and I never had a moment to reflect on it because you just do, you just work, you do. When you're not busy, you complain about why you're not busy. When you're busy, you complain about why you're busy. Oh, and sure. that is what we do in our business. And at yeah. this time, it's, First time in my career, I'm able to say, okay, did you enjoy it? Let's reflect on the things you've done and what happiness did come out of that? And, yeah. and when I get to talk to hair and makeup people and revisit some of the amazing cover shoot we've done together, I looked at our shoot together just yesterday to revisit our energy together. I, I am very proud and happy that I'm part of this community. I and whenever like I get together, it was like three hours. I remember I was on my way to Coachella. It was so fast. Oh my gosh. And that's our life. That literally it's our life. You yeah. showed up to do the Vogue cover shoot with me. You're like, we squeeze it in there because we want to make sure you hit that Coachella because you had sponsors. It was a job. You had to be there for yeah, a client too. I was like, I'd love to just chill, but I actually have to be there on time to pick up this car that I have to drive. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's right. I forgot about that. You had to drive, and that drive is actually part of your sponsorship at the time. I, 
I mean, honestly, it's one of my best jobs ever. I absolutely love when anyone just gives me a free ticket for Coachella. I'll absolutely. (laughs) I'm I'm a huge big fan, so anything for music. But that is the change I'm beginning to see with everyone and even be able to have a pre-talk with you to see how you're doing and the energy that the positivity that you still have is so important because that's what makes other people feel like they have hope. And yeah. I'll tell you one thing in the very beginning of this, I was one of those people worried, how many people are going to watch? Is it going to matter? Who's going to listen to me? And it took me a while to say, if I could just be here, invite the, the guests that let them talk. Let them tell us their stories. It influenced one of you out there, guys. It makes one of you guys laugh. And maybe one of you guys live the fashion world with us for that split second on here. That's enough. And and I have to say, for 10 weeks now, you guys have been out there supporting the DMs I got when I did the Asian Pacific Awareness Week. We had Asian models just giving them a spotlight. It was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And truly Aww. being here. And and I love models. Everybody knows out there how much I love models. You guys are my my Barbie uh-huh. dolls that we get to play with. But, but have be you able heard to- this before? Like, what, what did you mean you've been in the spotlight for 10 years? I don't know about that side of you. What did you do in the spotlight before? Well, i did done American Next Top Model for a few years, and I went off to Asia to do Asia Next Top Model. Along the way, I've done a few shows for E! I've been on Kardashians. But, um, and, and I've been known... I saddled between the reality television show to photography. And that was a hard, hard saddle to take because I wanted people to take me seriously as a photographer. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I, take my, I took my job as a host, as a judge, very seriously. I was recently on the show with Ashley, um, Ashley Graham as the host of American Beauty Star. And, and the panel was incredible. It was Christy Brinkley and Leah Wire from Cosmo. And, and, and I want people to take those moments very seriously. And on top of that, then I ended up going to Asia last year to create a show called Street to Kitchen because I love to cook and the side of me that people don't know. You talked about that. I remember. No, I'm so, saying, I was like, I guess maybe because I'm a foodie, you're like, food show. I was like, what? But you know what's funny? Today marks one year anniversary when the show aired. Oh, so cool. it's kind of a special moment today. Wow. I got to look back and, and it did really well on Net Geo Asia and Fox Asia. So and because of that, I wanted to make sure that I take all the knowledge I've learned how to be comfortable and how to be able to, to communicate with people, to use this platform for the better. In your, in, your, in your blood, it's very easy for you to do this. And it's great. I mean, whatever happens after this, I do, I do think it won't ever go back to the speed that we're at, which probably no. it shouldn't. You know, it's probably environmentally not, not good thing, what we've been doing before. And I think it's... Wow, it's, I love you said that. The learning that we're learning, right? The footprints we're, that we're leaving we're behind. Learning. I mean, I think, I think it should be more of a thing of where is this girl? Should we book her? Is it easy for her to get here? Rather than who cares if she's in Australia and want her tomorrow, you know? I well, I'm so happy to hear you are here in Los Angeles because I have a couple of shoes I'm planning and you <laughs> one. <laughs> and I just got off a conference call with a magazine actually planning uh, September issue cover and for two different magazines actually and it's very interesting we're going through the process in a very different way we're not yeah. worried about what's on your rider what kind of food you need to be on set and what kind of green room you need to have we're talking about safety we're talking about respect we're talking about efficiency and we're being not wasteful and it's it's something that I'm actually really proud of that our industry giving us no, a new checklist plus side to everything and that will be definitely one for our industry um but what else so no green m&ms for you tony when you show up no, no only I, green m&ms <laughs> we cannot only give you green m&ms okay <laughs> that's exactly what i've always been like 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, um, you guys. Tony doesn't have a rider. I wish she did, because if she has a rider, I'll follow her. So, be up. so for those of you guys who know what a rider is, is, that when we work with a talent, when we work with a celebrity, they send over a list of things, a requirement on their list. Some celebrity would say, I need to have fresh flowers in our room. Some said, I only want green M&M. I'm not going to tell you who that is, but I actually seen one of those. And Or I need to have I'm going to text you right after. <laughs> but, so can I tell you, it I just had that call and it wasn't about that anymore. It wasn't about make sure you have this and that. Rather, make sure you're safe, make sure you make the client feel comfortable and make sure you can stay safe distance and still be able to catch your beauty. Can I tell you, I, 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 I love that call. It was the most humanity in a conversation I had in a fashion business for a long time. Because you know, wow. I, you know this. As a model in the beginning of your career, before you hit the supermodel uh, landscape, you were just the entity that shows up and people do whatever they wanted with you. Of course. They didn't ask how you like felt. Like <laughs> all sorts of things and you just at some point try. I used to faint quite a bit because I wow. would just forget to tell them I'm really thirsty. Can I just have some water? Or, you know, when you're so young and you're in a room full of adults, you know, I started like, yeah, 14, 15 and you don't, you know, you have, you're, you have respect for your elders, right? So you think, okay, they know what they're doing. They're going to, there's going to be a food break at some point. And then sometimes I would be like, why is everyone leaving? And why am I still posing? And they forgot, <laughs> oh, you're good to get up too. You can change and have lunch too. Um, but it's yeah. that work ethic though. It's that true work ethic you have and made you become such an amazing global star as a model. And I just saw your Vogue cover with Alex. Beautiful German Vogue it's cover. Today. I know. It came out today. Congratulations. I mean, how beautiful is that like he, I obviously never forgot about my job but I'm not doing anything regarding fashion at the moment you know I'm just taking care of everything else that's going on and most of all I'm taking care of my foundation because that is a lot of work right now that I can mm -hmm. focus on and that, where I can help so to see a boat cover all of a sudden this morning I was like oh god I, I, yeah we did that wow this morning both of us were so excited we're like oh we're gonna frame it we called my family guys can you buy 10 each because we need a lot <laughs> like, we need a lot for our kids we need a lot for our aunts and uncles and grandparents and you know so, beautiful work that again that was fun i can't wait to see the inside Gianpaolo shot it and he won't send me pictures i'm like i want to know can i tell you um, if he's listening he's my all-time favorite contemporary photographer he makes the work commercial acceptable he approached beauty in a most authentic way and oh and i i know that when i was starting my career that i looked at testinos i looked at all these amazing photographers and and when john paul started working at first i was like oh he's taking all the job i want and then you begin to see wow he's so talented and everybody who have ever told me about him tells me what a gentleman and what a nice human being oh, he is so so that is so, so nice fun. to know but to work with the person you're in love with, it was like so much fun. We're just like kissing the whole day and like putting our legs all over each other. And I think it's like literally 12 pages of the makeout session. Oh, no, there's one picture where we're just like posing because it was impossible. If he was himself, I was smiling. And if he was like, I don't know how the picture, that's why I'm like so nervous to see them. I'm like, can you please send me, is there anything where I'm like modeling or looking like sort of making the clothes look good? Or are we just like a couple? Because there's what there was one picture where he literally put us in bed and I was like, you can't do this. Like, we are newly in love. You guys are all in our bedroom right now. It was so funny. It was but it, it's it's such a poignant cover right now about love and that's what you, you exemplify the work that you do with the foundation. I want to jump right into that because I know that you have this foundation, the Tony Garn Foundation, for many, many years. Share with that journey with us and how did this come about? 
So it came about a long time ago. I think it started with everyone always asking, how does that start? You know, you're super German and how do you all of a sudden focus all your energy in Africa? Honestly, it just started with I fell in love with the place. And I truly believe in that we were born before and that we rebirth and all those things. And I think I'm I'm deep down an African. I fell in love with the place so much when I went there. Um, I went there a lot, of, a lot of times when I was a kid for vacation. I shot there a few times and I just... I've always listened to African music. I've always eaten with my mouth like that. I've always loved to sit on the floor and just eat like that. I have lots of um, African friends, and I've always just connected with that culture much more than the German culture. My mom will tell you. I've always fought that. I've always been like, but I just want to do whatever I want, and everything is good, and I just want to be happy and always dancing. And I always just connected with that culture so Mm. much. But I loved going. And when you love a place so much... And you're so privileged in a way of how you grew up and how you were able to go to school and finish school. And all of a sudden you're making money as a girl, as a 14 year old girl. And then you hear the 10 poorest countries in the world are all in that continent that you love so much. You know, I think it was just a very simple step to, okay, I want to do more here. I want to hear, I want to learn more. I want to travel with organizations that can teach me more. So my first trip was actually with an organization um, where I promised them a hundred thousand dollar donation with a clothing brand, so I didn't take wow. any money, and they didn't take any money. They're called Clothes. They're an incredible jeans company from Hamburg, and it was just a collaboration where I wasn't going to get paid, and they weren't going to take any profits. But they promised a hundred thousand dollar donation straight to a project of my choice. So of course, I looked at different organizations, and I worked with local organizations. And with that first campaign, we educated six hundred women to become teachers. And this all in Africa. What region of Africa? This was in Burkina Faso, which is still one of the poorest places in Africa, uh, West Africa. It's north of Ghana. Um, But that was around the same time when Boko Haram then happened in Nigeria and then Ebola broke out. So very, you know, a lot of African problems that I'm facing with my organization that every organization is facing. It's just the political instability. You know, there's 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 fruit uh, food scarcity everywhere. It's just not as stable as here. So when you donate somewhere for it to be sustainable is the number one importancy, right? So my number one importancy was always, who am I working with on the ground? So before I donate any money or make any project or any commitment or even any promise to a donor or to a fashion brand, we have to go before. We have to really visit them, see how are they going to distribute the money? Is it not only they're great people and I love them and they're so cute, I'm sorry, but every single child in the world deserves a future, deserves money, deserves education, deserves food. Um, but really, it's about long-term investment. You know, I'm not Bill Gates. I don't have lots of money to give. I mean, especially him. He should be really, really sustainable, which I think they are. But They are. Every, he's a, he's every, actually a great guy. I work with him. So. World, I agree. I love what they're doing. Everyone in this world should, you know, focus on long-term. Um, so I really look at what is his plan. You know, is this, this, this um, you know, this headmaster or this teacher or this project manager, whoever is running that project locally, what's his plan? Does he have a plan for this building? How is he going to get the kids to school? How is he going to educate? Does he have the teachers? Um, What is the most important need in this town? You know, there's no point to educate teachers if there is lots of teachers, but there's no school buildings. Right. So every project is different. So So it's a foundation. So the foundation is not just based on, the mission statement foundation is not just on uh, education for kids. This is actually... For girls. So that's the that's the mission for the foundation. Yes. And it's based out of Germany because my name is the biggest in Germany and I have a lot of amazing clients there and donors there. Um, plus my mom is running my foundation. So it's wow. all family oriented and family held. So my number one priority, because doing a lot of research when I started was 
that there's always an overhead between 20 to 50% sometimes. Some big mm -hmm. organizations, you know, they do these great fundraisers, but it costs them $100,000 to make the fundraiser and then they raise 200 grand. Great. But you, right. only, no, but you can only donate 100 grand then, whereas my focus was always, you know, I know so many people, my focus was let's keep the overhead at like zero if possible. So um, I pay my mom and everyone else is a volunteer. You know, so it's it's really 100% of the donation can really go to my projects in Africa. Obviously, sometimes when I do projects, like we need security, we need to rent tables. Right. We, but like I try to logistics. Get, I try to get a DJ for free. I try to get the location for free. There's so many incredible friends of mine that own buildings or hotels or studios that are so nice to give me one or two or three days for free from my fundraisers. Um, so that's really where I see my job and where I was like, I can... I can do a lot if I hustle and go through my contact book and I'm kind of the messenger in between these incredible people that I find and I trust and I believe in that are already doing the work. It's oftentimes organizations that are local, like a Ghanaian school that's already up and running and doing great work or a hospital in Burundi that's already doing great work. They just need more donations and then, mm -hmm. they're, and then they're good. So I'm kind of that middleman. Um, so yeah, but I love, I love, love, love going to Africa more than anything. I would never just be that fundraiser. I need to always go and be on the ground. Um, but yeah, how, right now, of course, there's all different challenges. How often do you get an opportunity to have brands that you work with that join with you and collaborate and donate? You know, it's been incredible. The last couple of years, it's been so many. It's been so many to the point where we have to be a little bit careful, of course, do they just want to up their image now or mm -hmm. are they actually going to change what they do too? It doesn't help mm -hmm. if they, you know, have children work somewhere else in the world and then act like they want to support children. So we really have to do our work there. And that's hard for me sometimes because I'm like, they want to donate so much money. I can build so many schools and get all these girls into school or, you know, facilitate that these girls can edu get educated or go to high go to university. We're now also doing this program where it's going further than just high school, where it's going to wow. uni work with unis so we can we're trying to figure out a way where we can also do um where you can sponsor a child from primary school all the way to university in certain countries incredible incredible all, it all depends on our local person if that person can provide information if we can really if i want the sponsor to be able to skype with their with their kid possibly even visit it i'm not going to be one of those organizations where we take $20 a month and then you, you don't know what's going on. So it depends on my local partner if they're able to provide that. So you truly are empowering other people to continue giving. It's amazing because it's not a foundation just about raising money and passing money down to where it needs it, but you're actually giving them tools and empower others that locally can make huge impact yeah. right in front of them. And that's a really amazing philosophy. It's because I think grassroots and self-help. Especially for young girls, because the process, how you're setting up this foundation is an example for them to learn how they can help others in the future as well. I think that is so powerful message that you're doing. You know, Amazing. one of the greatest things I've ever seen that really touched me so much. I don't know if you know, I do a flea market almost every year where I sell yes. my clothes. Because yes. we get so much stuff. And I'm, I, I love fashion because it's, it's half of my life has been in fashion, right? And I love wearing it. I love shooting with it. But I'm not a fashionista. I mean, I literally dress like this when I'm at home. I'm not. So I have so many credible clothes where I'm just like, this would be worth a lot, maybe. And then we have fans that would like to wear what a lot of my girlfriends have worn or Giselle Benchon have worn. And they'll pay more than if I sell it at a store next door. So I made it a big fundraiser, and I do it almost every year now. It's called Supermodel Flea Market. And I've raised quite a lot of money over the last couple of years. And I have these cute fans that last year, girls, if you're listening, I thought this was the cutest thing that anyone's ever done, and it made me made me tear up um these girls for my birthday in germany they made their own tony garn supermodel flea market in their garage 
and sold a lot of things that their parents or that their friends had given them and raised like 400 euros and donated it to my foundation. So they did the same thing, just be like, oh, we can recycle and like recycle our clothes and then donate it to a cause that we care about. Um, so just to see, oh my gosh, just really inspired, you know, two or three teenage girls in Germany to do the same. For me, that was like, oh my God, people are like, you know, in a way you give interviews and you talk about it and you do things, but you never really, you always get to get, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Right. You don't get to see them do it. So I was like, oh my God, people are listening. But, it, but I want to echo this again, is that it's it's so much about not just inspiring people anymore. It's, in, it's empowering people. I think there's a difference, right? But a lot of people get inspired. Oh, that's cool. And they get inspired. But when you empower them to do something, it's different. I think we're all learning through this pandemic as well that, that what you give out, how that makes you feel is part of the reason we do give. And that's the honest truth. Everybody, everybody can say, oh, I'm just giving because I'm giving. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. It really is a two-way street, you know? The gratitude I get back from my girls now, oh. I could never just do the fundraisers and send the money. My favorite thing is sometimes, I mean, now, I'm supposed to go to Wanda now in July. The trip being canceled for me is like, like I didn't lose, I didn't lose energy to fundraise. Obviously, I'll still do it, but it definitely gives me so much energy and happiness to come back to my Western world and then just hustle and ask everyone I know for help and really post when I'm there nonstop. And it gives me so much energy because I see the girls that are like, like I don't know what to do now because my parents live 20 kilometers away or 200 kilometers away. I can't go home and the school is kicking me out. I don't have money. It's $50 a year for me to stay in the hostel. I don't know what to do. Tony, can you help wow. me? how they ask me and just to be there I get so much love and energy I barely sleep in Africa and I eat so healthy I'm just dancing and sweating all day and I'm with my girls I feel so alive and I think yeah it has to do with you know you feel the most alive when you're doing something good and when you know you're helping out and not just by you know I'm leaving you guys with this building or this classroom but I see you guys' smiles and, and love that you give me back knowing that I came to visit and I'm going to spread the word so I can't wait to go back because that truly is does not just give me the energy for the rest of the year to do my job, but it just gives me so much happiness. And so, yeah, oh. so to talk about Africa, Corona has now um, obviously hit certain parts of Africa and all we can do is raise awareness because we're yeah. never going to really get the numbers the way we do here because testing is just not as provided. Um, and who knows what testing even means, right? We don't even know what it means right now. Um, so, yeah, all the schools are shut and all my projects I work in Rwanda, Burundi, Uganda, Tanzania now, and Ghana. And um, all the schools are shut. Everyone's at home. And you can't really tell Africa, my countries, my rural areas where, you know, sometimes 10 people live in one little room. You have to social distance now. And you have to wash your hands every five minutes. And you have to wear, they can wear a face mask if they mm. know about it. So the number one thing we're trying to do is now just to raise awareness and tell everyone this is going to be really dangerous for you in the rural areas if you get it. So just try and social distance, try and wash your hands, try and wear masks. It's um, crazy because we are in a Western world that, that we, we, we are learning how to combat this. And, and, and I've been to Kenya for a while. I used to work out there as well. So I understand what you're saying. I can see the picture in my mind so clearly that, that education is so ever important. And, and it would not just everyday education about schooling, but educating them about what COVAC can do and what it will do. And, 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 and I, I am so honored to hear the stories because it's that it's going to change lives and save lives. What you're doing is not just changing lives, you're saving lives. So that's, that's, Amazing, amazing where, effort. Where in Kenya, where are you in Nairobi? 
I was in Nairobi, a national park, working with uh, um, Ned Geo, actually, at the time, was having researchers come in to do dehydrogen research. This is about 20 years ago, when I was a wildlife biologist. It was my previous life career. I was a wildlife biologist. Yes. And that's something that I... You know, I was not a photographer, but I was sketching. I was drawing a lot of... Um, plants and, and recording the behavior of the animals because at that time and you couldn't take a lot of picture of the locals because they thought that you were catching the spirits with the camera we actually had trick cameras where the lenses is pointing this way but the lens is actually on the opposite side so for us to to protect the animals we had to document them and it was the first time kenya was having an election so the poaching was crazy everybody knew that poaching would be illegal so the poachers were highly activated to kill as many animals they can so they can sell in the black market again educating them that this is not the way it, it was hard it's, it's still a constant battle in in africa and not just yeah, about wildlife about education. education it's That's all about incredible. education i just went to kenya for new years and i got to visit the masai mara and i went to oh the i was there starting a i'm starting a a different program in Kenya right now. We're still in the beginning of that. Um, but to talk about um, raising awareness, one thing that we're doing now, because I was trying to figure out how am I going to raise awareness, because I have quite a good connect with the headmasters and with the managers of my schools and the people that I work with, but they all went home. So how am I going to educate these girls now and figure out what's going on? And the, the, the universal language in Africa, mostly all over the world, but very, very much so in Africa, is music, right? They all dance. They all have a phone. They all have these songs that they love. I always do these girl camps where almost once a year where I get these girls together and we have, there might not be a roof over their head, but they have the biggest speakers and stereo system in the town, right? They always have the best music in Africa that's why I'm so connected to it um, so we we just helped uh, this organization in Tanzania uh, write a song about Corona so it's a really cool song and I hope it's in Swahili which obviously is spoken in Congo yes. and Kenya and all over East Africa and um, this incredible musician uh, wrote it and recorded it and it's just just about Corona it's just like stay social distance and wear your mask but written in a really cool way so through music that you're educating people and celebrating I'm safety I'm artist and his and his people and his producers uh, did it very cheaply very quickly just to get the word out he has the heart on the right spot too and now we're trying to help him with raising awareness around the song and getting it into the Tanzanian media and radio and TV and you know we're just hoping that people are gonna turn this into a hit and dance to it and then listen oh we should be social distancing there's something going on right now that that's what the lyrics are how, how, how did you become Tony Garn like this? I, I have to ask that question because, you know, I work with so many different models and work with so many different influencers. Not, not all of them, many of them, but not all of them has this passion that you have. What was it that, that, that? Well, thank you. What runs into your blood? What is it that influenced you to be the person that you are today? Well, not everyone maybe has a lot of passion, but they, I'm sure a lot of people have other things they're really good at, like I'm sure they're really good at being a scientist or something that saves the saves you know their job or whatever they do or their family or the world. Um, but we but we become who we are because we have influences around us. I love to know what made you the person you are today. You know what? I I don't have a bit, my upbringing was a little bit all over the place. Like I truly see myself as a citizen of the world. You can put me. That's why I feel at home in this hotel right now because I'm here with my fiance and that's pretty much it. I don't you know I don't. I feel at home everywhere. I was brought up between London, Greece, and Germany, and then I started modeling at 14, and I went to New York every single weekend while I was in high school, 
from 14 to 18. So, I've, and I grew up in international schools. So I went to school with every single ethnicity, every single nation, everything. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I was always very much interested in people and I love culture. My mom put me in a camp in America, in Ohio, randomly when I was 11, but it was not to do with America. It was just this camp called Children's International Summer Villages. And it was all built around peace and cultures mm-hmm. and getting to know each other. And it was a camp where there was four kids from each delegation and 70 different countries joined, two boys and two girls, and everyone was 11. And you all slept together in this high school for a month. And all you did was talk about different cultures. Monday was Brazilian. Tuesday was German night. Wednesday was American night. And everyone. Education. Education. Just about getting to know each other's cultures. And I still have the, the, and we would sing uh, Bob Dylan for lullabies. And the teachers would play guitar at night. And we'd all sleep like our girls rooms and boys rooms, obviously, but eight and one. And we had a little closet that was, uh, we had a shoebox each other closet. And I had the time of my life. My mom complained to this day that I was the only child that didn't call home once in four weeks. <laughs> every other child was like missing their parents. We had to send a few kids home. A few kids, a few kids were like crying. They didn't, couldn't handle it. I had the best time of my life. I think just being international and being cultured with different kinds of people and just hanging out with the Finnish girl for breakfast and having my Brazilian dance friends and then having the African boys to play with, whatever. It was always it was always just different cultures and I think that's what always drove me. So I naturally loved the fashion world, I think, just being able to do that in a grown up way. Mm. Sometimes sometimes the grown ups in the fashion world when I was fifteen were a bit too grown up for me because you know how designers can take their job very seriously. So I connected with the models very, very well. Like all the young girls immediately were like my new best friends. Um I don't know. And then I, I truly think I get my energy, my passion from Africa though. It's truly my place where where I feel the most at home. And if I wasn't a model, I think I'd live there. I'd be a backpacker trying to help myself. But what's beautiful um, is that the fashion industry, as many people know, that can put you in a negative way. You didn't let it, you took all the positivity out of the fashion and you, you, you feed into that positivity and you didn't let any of the negativity come into your life. And then you also, yeah. over the years, I watch you pair yourself up with brands that you truly believe. You didn't just work because it was work. You were very strategic on aligning yourself with names and brands that you truly believe in. And that's that needs to be noted just because that's more and more important too. Yes. I think that you know the research, everything is more globalized and more transparent and brands just as much as faces need to do their research on who do you want to work with. And I think what I'm trying to do more now is not just let everyone come to me and figure out yes mm-hmm. or no, but what do I want? Who do I find interesting? Which collaboration would I actually like? And more and more people and brands and photographers and designers are open to that way around too now of creating something together. But for me, it always has to have a reasoning. So for me, it's- You were way ahead of the curve. You were way ahead of the curve. It's seriously, because I think you're absolutely right. Because during this pandemic, during this time, um, I have a lot of clients and we have Zoom calls. We talk all the time about what's the next iteration. And truly the next iteration is finding people who are passionate about what you're doing. Because just having models on the cover of a magazine doesn't mean anything anymore. Just having them hold up the product and say, sell this and buy this like a YouTuber mm-hmm. is not connected anymore i think it's actually a really weird reset for all of us to reevaluate what is advertising what is art what is commerce and most importantly what is the passion right what where, where does it stem from because and it's after so talking fun now like, yeah but, but 
more fun having having campaigns that are like or having having um, collaborations with brands saying, yeah. you know, we'd like for you to post this T-shirt because it's part of you know this brand that you're supporting, but show it in whatever way, make it a joke or post it, take the picture however you like. And even two years ago, it was like you have to wear this and caption this and hashtag this. And I was like, you guys are stupid. Sorry, but you should really let us do our job because <laughs> you know, believe it or not, we kind of have a brain too, and we can make it a little bit better. We know what we look put in, and we can make it funny or we can make it cute. And more and more brands are like, we're working with this person because we like her, and then you. You, you know what's funny it's that this pandemic is empowering everybody in such a unique way for models i see that too you're absolutely right they empower now to know that what's what they would say yes to what would they not i mean over the last five six years with different movements of me too movement to to women empowerment movement to all of them is contributing to something really incredible for for women and and i see that i focus on women because i work with women more than i work with men and even watching how sports illustrated as a magazine has changed into a woman's magazine that empower women to to dress the way they want to photograph the way they want to and i know working with you when we're shooting on set i watch you work and and you are one of the few models that i can just sit back and go let her do her thing and let me capture those moments because that's education but that's not that's not saying that you're bossy or whatnot but what it is it tells me is that if you allow other people to create with you, you allow them to collaborate with you, something beautiful will come of it. And and this industry doesn't foster that. And I'd be the first to admit, now, five years ago, you show up on my set and tell me how you're going to wear the dress and how you're going to move. I'll be like, uh, I'm not booking you again. What do you know? I'm the photographer. I'm the one who's going to tell you what to do. Yeah. But that has changed. It really has evolved. And and I think it has to do with the word respect, right? We respect each true. other. And, and I, can I tell you, I love it. Let's work on me. <laughs> No, I do. Yeah. But it's, it's just more fun. And I think the, the people watching and, and just the people, fashion fans and just fans out there in general, they want to have fun. It's not just they want to pick up a magazine when they're going to like it. Otherwise, they have other stuff to do. There's a billion that like, goes out there that are more fun to watch, right? It has to be positive. It can't be, oh, yes. she's that and, in this way. And of course, it, it should be more like, oh, she's loving that jump. Yes, that's so important. And you know... As a model, when you open magazine, you look at the girl's eyes, you know they're happy to be there or not to do that post. We know it because we see it in this industry. You're like, oh, that girl was forced to do that. She's not there all the way. I'm laughing because I have so many stories in my mind right now, even covers where I look in my eyes and I know for a fact I have to pee so badly. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Or, oh my God, I was absolutely freezing or I was starving. And my eyes, to me, like the cover looks pretty, but to me, all I see is like... Your eyes. Well, I love a gorgeous Vogue shoot together. You're in that red turtleneck. It was so beautiful. What an amazing moment we got to capture together. Those are the moments I would treasure because they were not just beautiful moments, but were effortless moments. And I got to to meet you. And, and one of the, the shoots that's so memorable for me was for Harper's Bazaar that I lost my model because she, she was pregnant. We wanted to shoot her, and she had really bad morning sickness. So I'm not going to tell you who it is, but she couldn't get in from this to get into the city. And I was like, I was talking to the editor, like, "What are we going to do?" And I go, "Wait, I think Tony's in town. Hold on." And you were on set in 20 minutes flat. So oh my god, yeah. it was such an amazing collaboration, and it was an art cover about art and meeting with that was with so fashion. Funny. I remember walking in on set, being like, "Saving your day." <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so thank you fun. for not just saving my day, but saving so many girls out there and helping them with education and not just donation, but empowerment. That's what I'm getting out of this talk is that you are empowering so many people to continue to help with others. What a great way to have a foundation. And please do let me know, Tony, anything I could do 
that I can help and support your foundation. Yeah, I, I love nothing more to be involved. I think what's important, everyone, a lot of people always ask, how can I help? Or just to donate, just here and there. Like, if you guys really get involved, I understand traveling is really hard right now. It might not get super easy in the near future. But just to get on the phone with people that you want to help or do some more research on the people you're helping, it'll give you more joy. It'll give you more joy understanding because you'll educate yourself. I get more joy knowing now about the political system in some of the African countries that I had no idea about now. Like, everyone always asks me, do you still want to go to uni one day? And I'm like, honestly... I do. I love the idea of school and I love being in school because I love the collaboration of the students. I like it much more than home studying. But at the same time, I do feel like life has been my school these last couple of years and I've learned so much on my travels. So guys, if you really want to help, like really look up how you want to help and you'll get way more joy than just pressing the donate button. Like call people, like organizations are waiting for your call to really like hear how you can help, volunteer online, help them with websites, help them with design, help them with whatever. And then maybe in the near future you can go there. Or best thing you could do right now is help in your own country, obviously, because you can't travel. I have a few schools in Africa now that are reliant on my donations. I will not stop that anytime soon. But if you're starting something now, maybe start with your community, with your, you know, with the village around you. Well, I couldn't say it better. That definitely for sure. And we've seen that a lot in the food community and, and I interview a lot of the people in the food industry, how they're making sure that the food is not being wasted. They're feeding the first responders for free. These are the, the silver lining that we see humanity at best. And, and right now, and like you said, more people want to help, just don't know how to help. And yeah. there are plenty of organizations for you guys out there. Please look up Tony Garns Foundation and be part of the solution, be part of the educational process for young girls and empower them so they can further educate as they get older and go to university. Because mm -hmm. we know it all starts with children. And 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 one thing that's so, so ever important for you guys to know that this foundation is not set up for COVID. This foundation is addressing issues 365 days a year. This is yeah. something that we need to be aware of. And, and, and because of the pandemic, it is important to put a spotlight on there because we realize how important education is. We're lucky wow. in Western culture. We drop the kids off and they go and they come back. Yeah, now well, you know all the things that we have at home, just stay home and wash your hands and drink water and eat healthy. The number easy. one right now that we're having in places that don't have any food scarcity normally now that we're facing hunger issues because they can't walk to the well or because the well water is too dirty so they're saying okay. what can we do you know education is a luxury in the places that i'm helping in um so that's what i was doing and now you know we we're focused on the curriculum and all potentially getting them into university and figuring out that system. Now it's just about educating them on COVID and how they can potentially study from home. I mean, that is the luxury in the places that I work in. So we're still working, but obviously my incentive initiative is education. So we've changed that a little bit, but I'm very, very connected to every single project we're working to. So we can, you know, we're, we're daily talking to the headmaster in Ghana and the manager in Burundi and the teacher in, in Uganda and the teacher in Uganda, for example, he runs a school, but he happens to also have a medical center behind the school. Wow. Uganda, they were really, really strict with um, leaving the house. Really, really strict. They were shooting mm -hmm. people last month that left their house. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And it's so crazy. Water. But because he has a medical center, he has the sticker on his car that he is allowed to use his vehicle. So now the headmaster changed his daily day of teaching kids to now bringing food to the community. So he's like a food deliverer now just because he has a medical car. So everyone I'm working with change, you know, it's very on it. They're all self-made. They're all incredible, empowered people. So now I just ask him, how many rides can you do per day? Is there any way you can get a second sticker or a second car? How much food do you need? You know, like, so all these people were very close. We're very tight knit. Um, so if he educates my donation, 
it will go to what's needed right now the most in those towns. Well, we're so blessed to have you in our community. I'm so blessed to have met you and be able to learn from you from this process. And thank you so much for being here. Tony, thank you for being an inspiration, for using your privilege to bring hope to so many girls. Thank you to all my listeners for your constant support. Please subscribe to this podcast for more open conversations. You can visit our website at letstalkwithusite.com and follow me on Instagram at usite88 for updates. Let's Talk is a production of 88 Phases. I'm your host, Usite. Our director, Luis Jaime, and writer, editor, and producer, Trevor Swenjen. 